A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and this week joined by former England fast bowler Steve Harmison and South African broadcaster and journalist Neil Manthorpe to look back at an incredible few days and the series that never was. Covid cancellations, false positives, rogue nets, no cricket. What a time to be alive. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Breaking news in the last couple of minutes. The first one-day international between England and South Africa in Cape Town has been postponed. A South Africa player has tested positive for COVID-19. The match, we hope, will be rescheduled for next week, uh, but more info on this breaking news as we get it. Further tests indicate that, that this is a more recent infection that occurred within the biosafe environment. You can't really legislate for an idiot. You can't put yourself in a position where an idiot is going to cost you this whole thing. And that, for me, that worries me a little bit, that some mindless idiot could completely blow the whole whole thing out the water. This is a shocker. Cricket South Africa have gone through um, uh, some extraordinary changes, some, some real turmoil. This is the last thing that Cricket South Africa needs right now. Cricket South Africa are in absolute disarray and have been for quite a long time. This this couldn't come at a worse time for them. They, you know, It was a huge decision for them to you know bring England out and... Uh, try and get this series uh, to go ahead. There has been cases where there's been a false positive sometimes. So this might be a case where the directors of cricket or management would have said, let's just let's not panic. Let's just see if it is a false positive. Let's have another test. My maths is not exactly my strong point, but I'm guessing that he would have had to have been uh, carrying this from, from the Thursday before, which means um, that he has been with and exposed to every member of that South Africa squad, plus some of the England players that he would have played against in the, uh, the, the T20 internationals over the course of the weekend, and that um, if protocols are followed uh, to the letter of the law, as I understand them from England's bio bubbles during the summer, that should be it. 
Well, the voices of uh, Mark Butcher, Steve Harmison, uh, uh, amongst others. TalkSport 2's coverage of the South Africa-England ODI series uh, was over before it began. Uh, but we did try and get it started on two separate occasions. The first ODI uh, called off uh, within uh, uh, minutes, really, of uh, the scheduled start time. Joined on the show to look back at what's been a, a, a fractious, uh, frustrating uh, and at times farcical few days of uh, non-cricket is uh, Neil Manthorpe, uh, South African broadcaster and uh, reporter for TalkSport throughout this series, and Steve Harmison. Uh, I'll start with you first, man. Is it, um, well, let's bring the news today, as we have it, uh, coming out of the England camp, that those two positive tests, which we heard Dane Villas uh, describe as potentially false positives, were exactly that. Uh, could we have played this game if those two false positives had come through correctly and been negative? Yes, absolutely. Um, the protocols allow for that. Uh, the South African Chief Medical Officer, Shuab Mandra, Dr. Shuab Mandra, um, put in, in place measures. He always said before the tour that uh, it was likely that there would be po- um, positive tests. He described the tour as having many moving parts and said it was impossible and has said subsequently, again, reaffirmed that it was impossible to recreate the the, the rigid um, rigidly secure bubble that uh, England managed in the summer. So, yes, um, the, the false positives mean that uh, the entire England squad and management um, are sitting in their, in their luxury hotel, the Vineyard Hotel in Cape Town, all negative, waiting uh, to board their charter flight, which I think has been brought forward 24 hours, so they'll be leaving on Wednesday now. But um, rather than, than sitting in the hotel, they could, theoretically, medically speaking, um, have have played the two one-day internationals as they had been rescheduled, rescheduled, rescheduled for Tuesday and Wednesday. Harmi, listening back to some of your comments there, um, did, did, did we possibly give Cricket South Africa uh, a little bit too much stick? Um, not really, because I think we were just speculating on what potentially could happen. I think you're right when we talk about how high the England bar was set throughout the summer and... If you go off what the ECB had put in place, you'd hope that the blueprint would be would be the same or very very similar. And if you go if you go on the fact that ECB had it for nine weeks, and there was no positive tests, well, you know the South up until that up until the sixth of December, I think it was something like eleven days. And all of a sudden, you've got potential two false false positives, two or three South African in the camp, and two or three hotel staff who have getting in. So. To say we were, we were, could we have been overcritical? I think we were speculating, and we were trying to do our jobs, which was to, to sort of second guess what potentially could be happening inside there, having, having had experiences of of being in, you know, in in dressing room situations and dressing room scenarios. So from that point of view, my worry was that somebody had left the bubble, either intentionally or unintentionally. And brought this in, and like me and Butch have been saying throughout this last sort of three or four days, once you're in, and man, as you've been putting the case, see how much like sort of Fort Knox it is. You can't get in, you can't get out, and the security that's with it. But you're just worried that once it got in and it starts spreading inside the bubble, then arguably it's probably the worst place to be inside a bubble when the COVID's already got into it. Well, the way that the ECB and Cricket South Africa released their press release calling uh, or announcing the end of this series there was no mention of covid 
mm. was there, uh, Manners. It was down to uh, the mental health, essentially, of the players. Now, we can talk about that in a minute, but essentially, that's quite, an, that's quite important, isn't it? Because Cricket South Africa have got to convince teams from Sri Lanka, Pakistan and Australia that South Africa is a, fa- is a safe place to travel. Now, the fact that these two results have come back as false positives means that that really strengthens their case, doesn't it? Because they can say to Sri Lanka cricket, look, you uh, have got to realise that this is a situation that is not perfect when, uh, we were in, when we were made aware of our own problems within our own camp. We dealt with them immediately. And, and as you can see, the touring team had no such problems. So you should feel safe to come to tour uh, South Africa. You know, one thing that um, has yet to, to be made public and come to light is the level of cooperation between the ECB's medical team here on tour and also back in England um, and the support that they've offered the Cricket South Africa um, medical team and the the, provid, uh, the COVID protocols. Um, they, they really have been very, very supportive. And I, I know, and I, again, it hasn't been made public yet, but I know that the ECB medical team have given a strong endorsement um, to all of the the arrangements and the attention to detail that the Cricket South Africa's um, operations team um, had. They'd been planning this for two months before England arrived. Um, And the the ECB medical team were entirely satisfied at, uh, um, at every measure that was taken. Remember, after the second positive test in the South African uh, camp, they seeded all common areas in the hotel. They're staying in two different parts of the hotel anyway, eating in different uh, um, dining rooms, breakfast rooms, uh, only two at a table, perspex shields between the tables, all of that kind of thing. And then South Africa went even further. And, um, st- and for six days, while they waited uh, for, for, the, for the tests to be confirmed, for six days, they seeded the use of the gym, even the swimming pool, the main entrance, all the corridors, they were using goods entrances and, and, and fire exits in order to, uh, to get in and out of their part of the hotel. So they, they did absolutely everything they could. And I must say that right up until the last minute, so did the ECB and so did the players and Owen Morgan. I mean, everybody wanted the tour to go, to go ahead. Um, and the ECB's endorsement of, uh, of the attention to detail is critical to Cricket South Africa because the ECB have said to, to Sri Lanka, look, um, the, the tour was off, but the tour we called the, 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 the tour off. The reason was that the players just weren't in the right frame of mind. But in terms of uh, their organisation and their medical capabilities, you have nothing to worry about. So we're very hopeful that... <laughs> Obviously, that Sri Lanka is still going to come for the Boxing Day and New Year's test matches. And then Australia are due for three test series as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I fully understand and appreciate the fact that the England players twice um, had a one-day international called off at the last moment. And that would, that would mess with my head. It did, actually did mess with my head. And if I had to go out and represent my country and, and play... Um, 100 overs of cricket to the best of my ability and in that confused state of mind. I don't think that I would have been very happy about doing that. And also, if I could just say, John, you know, there is talk about the England players who were, you know, return, most of whom are returning home to have a family Christmas, some four of whom are going to Australia to play in the Big Bash. 
they weren't so much scared of contracting the virus from a health perspective, but the idea of having spent five or six months almost in in some sort form of bubble, um, the idea of then contracting the virus and having to stay in South Africa for another 10 days and miss their family Christmas. Well, people are going like, oh, shame, you know, the poor loves, that's their job. Well, I disagree with that very, very strongly, very strongly. And if they felt that there was a chance of contracting the virus by playing in these ODIs and then and then having to spend another 10 days in the hotel, well, I, I think that I probably would have been inclined to, to to make the same decision as they did. Well, let's talk about the players and the reaction back home and the feeling within the camp. A former player, Steve Harmison, can give us his thoughts on how he feels they are sitting there watching all this unfold very shortly here on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. We've just had the confirmation come through. Uh, this first one-day international has now been cancelled. And the significance of that is by being officially cancelled, it means it is off. Oh, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. I still think the health and safety and well-being of everybody is the most important thing. I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. And I think the one thing that I did read on Friday was that the safety of the people in the environment has to come first and cricket comes second. Don't ask me why they've decided that... Monday and Wednesday's games will go ahead. If I was in that dressing room, is that plane leaves on Thursday and I'm getting on it. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. That's how the likes of Steve Harmison, uh, Kate Cross, uh, Andrew McKenna and others broadcast the news that the, uh, the first ODI was effectively called off twice. Uh, the series has been postponed and will be played at a later date. So you'll be able to hear it at some point uh, on Talk Sport 2. Neil Manthorpe alongside myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison. We were talking about... Uh, how the players are going to be feeling. Let's talk now to Harmy about what it's like being a player um, and how they will be feeling because I imagine there will be a few of them who will be looking at that ECB press release thinking, hmm, that kind of puts the onus on us here. You know, essentially, we've been told that uh, as professional sports people, um, the last thing that we can be allowed to to, to happen um, is that we get COVID and yet three members of the opposition seem to get it in a biosecure environment. And then we were told two of our own players or parts of the, the staff got it, although that proved to be untrue in the end. Um, but instead of COVID being the reason for this this tour being called off, it's down to us. Um, I imagine that a few of them wouldn't be so happy with that. Yeah, I can imagine that. And the senior player, and if I was a senior player in there, I think I might have gone in and tore a few strips off a few people and saying, what is going on here? Why is this statement talking about our mental well-being when the idea of this series was it was going to be any COVID cases inside and the tours off? Again, a little bit like the uh, the, the ECB, the, the way the ECB handled it in the summer. You know, the, if... If in the summer that Jofra Archer had did what he did and brought COVID in, the West Indies would have gotten a play and Pakistan wouldn't even come. Now, that was more or less the protocol that was going to be in place. Now, and and Manners, Manners described it brilliantly, talking about you know, the way different scenarios. But as a player in that situation, you have you have basically signed up to say, right, what are the terms and conditions of what potentially could happen? And I think what you want to know and what I would want to know now is I'm going into my bosses and say, right, you've got to convince me to get on a plane and go to Sri Lanka and to India. What's the worst case scenario for this tours, these tours in the COVID, COVID world at the minute that we go home? Because at the end of the day, 
what we've signed up for to go to South Africa didn't happen. We've delayed the we did we we've delayed the games nearly what four days. We've postponed one game, moved a game to go back to back, in which we have never had back to back one day internationals in the last ten years because of the way the ICC changed the rules on not allowing. So we've moved the goalposts even further to try and get cricket on, and we're still in a position where we are trying to find a way of playing this series. And then we get a statement to say the tour's off and we never mention COVID once. We mention the mental health and well-being of our players, which basically says we're not ready and fit to play. It's like, hold on, as a player, I'm going, hold on. That's not right. We have, we have agreed to play back-to-back games. We have agreed to move this further down the line. We are trying everything to get this game on. And now you're calling it off and it's saying it's our fault. It, it, it's, it's, it's largely down to us. I know boards are looking after each other because there's financial ramifications and anything like that. But as a player, I think I'd be asking my bosses, right, that's gone now. Move move aside. We're not happy. But you've got to get us on a plane to Sri Lanka and to India, which is more important than anything. The Indian tour is the most important thing the ECB has had in their diary for the last, I don't know, two or three years because of the financial thing comes that comes with it. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to convince me to say, right, if COVID comes in, what's gonna, what's the protocol on this and what's the protocol on that to convince? Because I don't trust you as much as what I probably did through, from the summer than what I do now. I maybe being a little bit too over the going too far over the top, but at the end of the day, if I'm reading that 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 statement, I would not be happy in that dressing room. Uh, man, as, as someone who, alongside Harmy, has toured the world watching cricket, um, we were all in Sri Lanka together. Um, and of course, uh, you've got vast experience of travelling in India. The, the, the players will be right to ask the question, if Cricket South Africa have struggled to create a biosecure uh, environment, then what chance uh, Sri Lanka or India managing to do any better. I'm not suggesting they would do worse, but um, th- th- certainly the difficulties have been laid bare. And as your article in the Daily Mail suggests, maybe the ECB are being a little bit um, unrealistic in what they have asked for and what they have seemingly told their players um, is set to occur. Well, um, yes, uh, uh, I don't think the ECB are being unrealistic. Um, they 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 created an astonishing environment, one that Cricket South Africa's chief medical officer described not so much as a biosecure environment, but as a vacuum. Um, and he he said that that it was financially and logistically, and probably ethically impossible for Cricket South Africa to recreate it. They don't have a venue with a hotel on site. Um, and, the, and they have to move players around. And he also said, intriguingly, um, that the only way that, that it could be done in South Africa is by imposing a virtual police state. Now, without, without wishing to delve into the realms of politics, mm. I think, I think um, Sri Lanka and India would be, would be more inclined and have done things like close off entire streets and in entire suburbs. I remember touring Sri Lanka when the civil war was still on. And in order for the team to get safely from the hotel, which was heavily fortified and guarded to the stadium, uh, entire roads, sections of the city were cleared 
Um, and that is something that would be very difficult to do um, in South Africa. Um, but, but, you know, you have to ask yourself, if, you, if you're going to those kind of levels, then how comfortable are the cricketers going to be? I mean, I, I remember South Africa was one of the last teams to go to Pakistan. We toured there in 2008 and we were under hotel arrest. Um, the, all the players, all the media, um, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel. And we, you know, after a couple of weeks, we sat there thinking, is this, is this what it's, is this what it's come to? Is this, you know, I, I mean, and I think if you, if you ask the England players whether they would, how long they would be happy and whether they would be happy to continue to play in the vacuum that the ECB created at the AGS Bowl and Old Trafford, then I think the uh, answer would probably be, you know, no, um, we're not very happy to, to do that kind of level of, of security again. And as, as Shoaib Mandra said, you know, if you do have that kind of level of, of vacuum, then um, you're very soon going to run out of players willing to, to play and represent their country. And I think that was borne out by the fact that what a condition, this is a, a, one of the conditions by which England agreed to come to South Africa was that they would be able to, to play golf. For non-golfers, that might sound ridiculous. I am a golfer. To me, it sounds perfectly reasonable. <laughs> For 10 days of quarantine before the tour, you know, they played golf every day and they did so safely and nobody believes for a moment that that compromised their health. Uh, homie, yeah, I just want to bring. I just want to come Go. back in a little bit there, John. I, I understand, and when it, when it, but my from a player's point of view, I'm being told this is what's going to happen. So, right, put yourself in a position. We're going to leave England. We're going to South Africa. Worst case scenario is if somebody tests positive, then we go home. That's it. I'll flip it over. We'll talk about India. Um, in India in 2000, when the terrorist attack was on in 2008, I think it was, I think it was in 2008, when yeah. we were out there. We then go to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, there's a big hoo-ha about, it was basically down to me and Andrew Flintoff. The whole thing was basically down to me and Andrew Flintoff, if, if the media was to, to be believed, because back pages of, of, of two or three of the papers were like, well, if Harmison and Flintoff don't go, they'll not go. And my track record of not going on tours and not wanting to be on tours was more or less saying, well, you'll not go. And all this stuff, and it was a lot of nonsense. I'd never really spoke to Freddie in the, the 10 days before we went to Abu Dhabi. We talked about it. And the angle we were looking at is we trust Reg Dickinson as much as we trust anybody. We believe everything he's going he's gonna to say. He's not going to try and stuff. Where he's not going to be an ECB telling him what we want to hear. And then it's up to us. And the questions we asked was, what would happen Worst case, if to get this tour off, i.e. if somebody tried to have a go at us, if somebody broached the uh, security. And I think that's the thing that I would feel let down from a player's point of view. You have told us that if there's a COVID positive test, then we, we, from a safety point of view, we've got to come out. And that is what's going to get me to go to Sri Lanka and India. And how am I going to believe my governing body to let me go to Sri Lanka and India when they've told us one test and the get the tours off when all of a sudden we've had three or four tests a false positive and we've tried to move games to a to a a back to back game which hasn't been done in 10 years where what's what's my sort of mindset getting on them plans to say well what happens if it does go wrong in in these countries that we're going in the new year but do you not feel though that actually this series is in some ways, that the players and everyone involved will actually look back on a bit like us broadcasting it. We've learned a lot over the last few days, absolutely, we? and that actually um, that can stand us in good stead. 
Yeah, but you still got the, the players are the most important here. The st- the, the, there's all learning curves. You do yeah, that yeah, when you're playing. Yeah, but I mean, but... I mean, from a player's perspective as well. Suddenly, they they know now. They know what's going to happen. Now, I would have thought one of the most sobering moments would have been for uh, the uh, those in, those who returned the positive tests that ended up being false positive. The realization that they weren't. This isn't a team game anymore. The team were going to be flying home, and they were going to have to stay. Now, as you mentioned, with the as Manners mentioned it very eloquently about you know uh, the fact that they wouldn't be able to go home for Christmas, but that that's quite a that's quite a sobering thought, isn't it? The idea now, the players realise that if they catch it, and they might do, especially if they go to India for two mm-hmm. months, they're on their own. Yeah, and uh, like again, like I said before, to trust the players, got to trust the board to do to do the right thing about you know what they signed up for the trip for. And there was there was there was positive tests before these players, these England players, had come with a false positive. There was a couple of South African players who had tested positive. So for me, then the alarm bells would ring if I was a player in there to say, well, hold on, are the goalposts moved here? And that's what I mean about trusting my board to get on a plane to go somewhere in the new year is are, are we going to get what we signed up for are we going to stick to the protocols that are in place i totally agree that england probably did set a bar that you know could never be reached from other countries around the world but at least tell us that before we go out there rather than put us in undue mental pressure or put us in undue you know, for undue criticism when all of a sudden we get a week where cricket becomes shambolic, we're not knowing what's going on. But as players, we're we're getting the blame as so, not so much getting the blame, but when the statement comes out for the tour to be cancelled, there's no mention of COVID, and it's about the players' mental well-being, and it's about the players in the end turning around to the the medi- the, the, the the governing bodies and saying, "Well, hold on, we didn't sign up for this." You're listening to the words of Steve Harmison, Neil Manthorpe, myself, John Norman, and you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. 
In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. The breaking news in the last couple of minutes, the first one-day international between England and South Africa in Cape Town has been postponed. Further tests indicate that, that this is a more recent infection that occurred within the biosafe environment. You can't really legislate for an idiot. You can't put yourself in a position where an idiot is going to cost you this whole thing. And that, for me, that worries me a little bit, that some mindless idiot could completely blow the whole whole thing out the water. This is a shocker. Cricket South Africa have gone through um, uh, some extraordinary changes, some, some real turmoil. This is the last thing that Cricket South Africa needs right now. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, John Norman, Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison. Uh, looking back at the aborted series in South Africa, wondering why it happened uh, and what uh, is going to come next. A, a, a thought just flashed through, my, flashed through my mind listening to that, uh, Harmy. Can you, uh, without swearing, um, put into words what would have happened if the COVID um, isolation rules had been enforced on players that you uh, you played with, or ones that maybe just before you as well? I mean, I'm just I'm thinking of the likes of I don't know, Thorpey, yeah, Phil Tufnell. <laughs> I think a large part of it, and you know, John, when you when you think about it. Is the ones that the ones that are playing aren't the ones you've got to worry about. It's the ones that aren't playing. And I remember being on, on on a couple of tours where you've not played in the test match, and you know for five days, three out of the five days is like being on a stag do because you you've got nothing else to do for five days. You're not in a team. You have to do two days of twelfth man. So the rest of the time, you know, if you think of the likes of you mentioned Tufnell and people like that, it would be hard. But but also to to go the other way. The professional people, and I think they would they would take heed of 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 um of the information given, and they trust the the board that they were doing the right thing. And I, I would I can't imagine, I'd imagine the hotel would be stacked with with beer and and plenty of food and things that they can enjoy themselves. But uh, they'll not be able to not be able to go out. And I would imagine they'd stick by that, not going out. You know, nobody was bigger than me. They enjoyed a, like a, a, a beer and going to restaurants with likes of Freddie and my environment, like Sakeezy and people like that. But when you when you went, especially with like the tour I mentioned before, when you went to India, you knew you didn't, you knew you couldn't go out. One, you couldn't forcibly go out because it was like Fort Knox trying to get out the building. But you you knew you were respective of what was happening in the in the wider world. So I, I think that the players would have respected it. But I think it would have been very very hard on the ones that aren't playing as opposed to the ones that are playing in the games because when you're not playing you just you just feel as though you're you're you're, you're a little bit bit part uh, we've talked about where now for England in and all this, the, the conversations they're going to be having with the players ahead of uh, tours to Sri Lanka and uh, India. And we've made mention of Sri Lanka coming to South Africa. But yeah, um, what conversations will be taking place? Because, of course, you know, the, the lengths that Cricket South Africa went to, the amount of work that was done behind the scenes. I was um, chatting to uh, Mark Nicholas, who was you know, part of our coverage, and he was saying he just feels sorry be- for the people involved because he knows 
shows how much has been done on the ground, like uh, like you've pointed out several times, Manners, on Talk Sport. But give us an idea of the lengths that uh, were went to and the conversations that will now be taking place between the, the cricket boards of South Africa and Sri Lanka. Well, as I said, the planning started two months before. The tour was not even confirmed, and yet uh, the, the planning went ahead. Um, you know, the, 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 it cost £400,000 to rent the entire Vineyard Hotel. Uh, they've been working with the, the police. They've uh, racked up enormous uh, security bills. Um, and they have, um, you know, the, the attention to detail is is quite extraordinary. I mean, that. I've learned so much, but the question that that I wanted to, to know, the burning question for me in the establishment of the biosecure bubble, and I said to the doctor, Shurav Mandra, why are there so many social distancing protocols still in place within the hotel? Once you've established the biosecure environment, this bubble, everyone's tested negative. Why are you having a maximum of two people at a breakfast table sitting two metres apart. The tables are two metres apart. There are perspex screens between them. I mean, I'd feel like I was in an asylum uh, <laughs> living like that, you know. Uh, but the point is um, that the, the idea was that if there was a, a, a positive test, then you would be able to extract that positive test victim out of the bubble and still have managed to contain its spread. I mean, you know, it, it, the, 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 there were no team meals. Um, it, it, bizarrely, South Africa were holding team meetings via Zoom. And can you can you imagine that? They're all everyone sitting in their hotel room in the same hotel in rooms next door to each other, having a team meeting via Zoom, so that they weren't all in the same room. And Again, I, you know, I cannot put myself in the shoes of an England player um, and how I'd feel about trusting that. But that's the theory. That's why social distancing was still in place. And that's why South Africa felt confident that they could extract the third um, positive test. Remember that the first two positives didn't, did, they were not infected inside the bubble because they came into the 10-day quarantine, into the bubble, already infected. Um, the third test was the really um, worrying one, and that's the one they still cannot understand. They've, you know, the security cameras in the hotel corridors, and they can't find any interaction. They cannot find any breach of protocol. But th that's the theory, anyway, is that he could, that he was successfully extracted, and and nobody else had contracted it from him because there was no social interactivity amongst the the South African team. In and amongst all this, the backdrop is uh, a cricket board that can ill afford such uh, such events. Um, give us an idea of where Cricket South Africa is in and amongst this financially and the hole that it's staring into. Well, um, you know, there, somebody said that the ECB had been brought to their knees um, by the by the loss of a hundred million pounds um, uh, during the the or the extra cost and loss of income, but they had of course mitigated that by earning over two hundred million by establishing uh, and playing a, a full summer of international cricket. South Africa will be reduced to its hands and knees um, if they lose any any further money. It was absolutely critical to Cricket South Africa that the ECB agreed to reschedule this um, this ODI series, but they they. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the cutbacks have have been extensive already. Um, 
the domestic season is uh, is a curtailed one purely on a cost basis so um there's an interim board at the moment in place uh, and they are going through all the books and and trying to save as much money as as possible but it, you know they are not going to lessen the seriousness of their situation by cutting costs they are only going to make it better by generating more income and every single tour every tour is is critical i mean they don't make a lot from the sri lanka tour but they have just signed a deal with star tv in india um which and they they're going to pay them a hundred over a hundred million dollars over the course of the next five years um, and that's not that's not a guarantee. That's on a match by match basis. You know, it's incremental. So if they lose a couple of test matches against Sri Lanka, then that's, you know, a couple of million dollars. And at the moment, every cent, penny, rand, dollar counts. Could we see, um, I mean, looking at the schedule for South Africa, there is a, the, the arrival of Sri Lanka and then Pakistan, if all goes well. And then there seems to be a massive gap before Australia turn up. And one of the things that's always surprised me, spending as much time as I do in New Zealand, um, but also having been, been in South Africa myself for a football World Cup, which notionally, to uh, UK eyes, uh, was in the middle of the winter, but... It seems to me you can play cricket in South Africa, you can play cricket in New Zealand, you can play cricket in Australia, you can play cricket in a lot of places apart from England, um, 10 months of the year. Is that something that you think could actually become, do you think that the, the boundaries of the seasons that they play could be pushed back and back? I know that's happening. <laughs> I, I can I can categorically guarantee that that there is there happening, we go. John. Talk sport exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, you can't play cricket in the winter at the coastal venues, but um, as you will remember, there's no rain in the winter inland um, mm. in the in the Free State. So, so places like uh, Potchefstroom and Benoni and Johannesburg and Kimberley and Bloemfontein uh, may not be everybody's cup of tea, but they're dry in the winter. It's cold. It's like cold properly. You know, uh, cricketers will be wearing three sweaters like an English April. Um, in the in the mornings, you know, it, it gets to it freezing uh, in the free state, but it's dry. Um, and we have had some winter internationals already um, at Centurion. A couple of years ago, we played New Zealand in a, at, the, at the time felt like a, an unprecedented move, a winter test match. The only concession to uh, to, to winter is that the, the, the outfield, the grass dries in the winter and turns brown. Well, they only spray-painted it green, didn't they, to make it look good on TV? <laughs> I mean, originally this series was scheduled for March. It was brought forward. India series in, that England are involved in uh, means that there will be no clash for the IPL. But is there any idea of when this series will be played? Uh, there are a couple of uh, options. I mean, I think um, Harmi may have... We were chatting off air just before we um, went on air and he mentioned the possibility of uh, England coming out here just either before or after the T20 World Cup, which is October, November next year in India. So um, there's nothing, there's just speculation at the moment, but uh, it very, very well might be in the middle of winter, in which case England do need to pack all their sweaters. Uh, Harmi, considering where uh, Cricket South Africa are and where the ECB are, seems a little bit more positive at this end, even though there will be some rumblings within the camp, no doubt. Yeah, I'd imagine there'll be some rumblings inside the camp. And I've been sort of quite, as I am, quite honest and forthright with my opinion about what I think has happened over the course of the last 
or a week or so, but I'm talking from a player's point of view and actually being in situations like that. And I'm two examples of the 2003 World Cup in Cape Town and the India terrorist attack when you're making decisions on what to do and you feel sometimes you've been let down. I don't think that the, the, the cricket guys have been let down on the protocols of anything that's been in there. Like you mentioned, this COVID's getting in everywhere in the world. So I don't think that was the, the problem from a, a player's point of view. I think it was a statement that have started blaming the players and playing the blame game. That was that was a difficult thing from from my point of view. When it goes comes forward, you're right, Manners is right, England England set the bar so high for, for other countries they can't get. But I'm sitting here watching, I've been sitting watching a, 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 a 2020 international from Australia and there was about 50,000 people in the SCG or 30,000 people in the SCG. So it doesn't look as though we're too far away from getting people back into to grounds and stadiums where these biosecure bubbles will not be as as needed as much. So, you know, fingers crossed for all cricket boards that they can they can get back playing playing relatively free and relatively soon. But you know, from a, a player's point of view, that's the message I've been trying to put out. Um and I'd I'd feel I still would feel a slight disappointment on uh, on what's happened over the last quarter or the course of the last twenty four, forty eight hours when a statement's point point of view. Well let's uh, finish the show Strongly, shall we? Uh, myself, John Norman, Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison. Uh, looking back at the series that wasn't, but looking ahead and wondering uh, what we might have learnt from the series if it had taken place. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And that's... Towards deep mid-wicket for six. Massive, mighty six. From the far end. Bowls a leg break. And Classon has got hold of this one. And Benson, that might be the biggest of the day. In again, bowls to cock goes big over extra cover, and that's gone all the way for six. And he begins with a slower ball, which is hit straight back over his head for six. Here comes Tom Curran, last ball of the game, and it's paddle swept and down towards short fine leg, caught by Adil Rashid. Adil Rashid takes the catch, and England have won the game by two runs. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. Uh, myself, John Norman, Neil Manthorpe, and also Steve Harmison. Let's let's finish the show by talking a little bit about cricket because, uh, you know, well, we all did a lot of prep for the series. We were looking forward to seeing some new players that take their plate uh, place out on the field. This is, would, of course, counted towards the uh, the ODI World Championship. Um, Manners, I'll start with you now. When you when I was looking through the team sheet when I was doing my prep for the series, uh, it was a lot of players. Notable omissions: Faf de Plessis, Chris Morris, um, and also another one, AB de Villiers, of course. Where do you think this ODI team will be if all going well? They do take to the field um, against the uh, the opponents that are coming to South Africa to play ODI cricket. Um, and are we going to see some of those big names back? And if they are back, of course, uh, Rabada, another one that missed out because he was injured. The, the team takes a much more positive view than it did uh, in the lead-up to the series that never was against England. I don't know where the, the team will be. I mean, there are some really exciting, highly talented young players. Yanaman Malan uh, is a, a batsman to look out for. Kyle Verena as well. Um, and, you know, there's a, a couple of... Uh, Dwayne Pretorius, I think, is a very, very fine all-rounder. He was injured, of course, and I think that he's got a, a, a bright future uh, for South Africa. But honestly, it was uh, this was going to be a journey of um, discovery um, and experimentation for, for South Africa. Um, I don't know 
uh, how good they would be. I fully expected them to lose this ODI series against uh, against England. Um, uh, but but what South Africa are doing, what Graham Smith, who's the director of cricket, is trying to do is to emulate uh, the success that England have had. I still look back at that English summer and I think, did they really have two separate bubbles? They, I mean, the entirely separate test squad from the one-day squad was... That still just sort of blows my mind. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I still... I still think back to uh, to the days of English cricket when you know they could they could count their world class players on the on the fingers of one hand, um, and now there's you know now there's there's like twenty five thirty. Uh, they can put they can you know that we could be in a situation where England could be sending a one day squad to South Africa while their Test team is playing somewhere else. Um, and a couple of years ago, just a couple of years ago. Uh, when when Australia were in a situation where they might have been doing, oh, actually almost did do a similar thing when only David Warner was the only player that crossed over. You know, there was all sorts of talk about uh, the reputation being of cricket being compromised. And but but now England could do that and and have done it at home, but they could do it now on the road. And I don't think people would raise an eyebrow. The only difficulty would be which one you wanted to watch if they were playing at the same time. Uh, are we going to look back on this period of uh, time and just uh, wonder um, how it is that so much money was spent on the on the England team? And it just shows the disparity, I suppose, Harmy, between the haves and the haves not have nots. Yeah, they're totally right. And I think we see that around the world. I think was the starting to see that gulf between the the big three, the big four that have got the financial resources to to do what Manor said and have these players and blood these young players come through because when you look at it in the grand scheme of things this one the international man has mentioned a, a couple of players there you take either either or de Kock or miller out i mean de Kock had played 121 and miller played 132 you add the rest and you could potentially add the whole other 17 names in the squad wouldn't come to owen morgan's 220 games and when you look at the england side there was only going to be in the in the in the first one the international if both Tom Curran's and Billings played, there'd only be one player under 50 cap, two players under 50 caps. So it tells you, you know, the riches that England have got in the crossover, and that is sending Archer and Sam Curran, Ben Stokes, um, and David Milan home. So the the embarrassment of the riches of, of of the England side at the minute is fantastic. It's brilliant to see from an Englishman, um, and it can only stand England in good stead at trying to be the best team in the world in all formats. But now, when you when you look at it in the in the grand scheme of things, you watch an Indian side. They're, they're the same, a very very good strong side. You look at the the Aussies as well. They've got p- people on the bench and people that aren't playing in a strong side as well as a strong side. So, I think from a financial point of view, this series will not only harm South Africa off the pitch, but I think long term, I think it's going to harm them on the pitch because they can't look after their players as well as they would like to. And you'll find South African players doing what a lot of players, the likes of Oliver and you know, even Dame Villas and a few others, look to seek employment um, overseas and somewhere else. And what about the likes of Mark Wood and Joe Root? Because Mark Wood's been sitting in a lot of biosecure bubbles for the yeah. last eight months and he's played one match. Joe Root, of course, uh, wanted to prove his point. He's now not going to play any limited overs cricket until after the India tour. There's a, there's a very good possibility he might be rested for that as well. So, again, that puts him back in his quest to get back into the T20 team. You know, what about those those kind of players? Because it is going to be, for Mark Wood, say, 
Joffre Archer is going to come back into the 50 overside. Um, you know, this could continue the frustration from his perspective. Yeah, absolutely. From Mark Wood, not only Mark Wood, but Chris Wokes as well, because when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, over the course of the next six months, Chris Wokes is not going to play a great deal of cricket as well. And he's another World Cup winner. You know, Mo and Ali comes into the fray because he 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 plays. They're going to be playing in the subcontinent. So, I'd, I'd chuck Wokes in there with Wood and with Root. Root's going to play Test matches. But when you're looking at a World T20 coming up, I think the 15 picks itself. I don't see anybody else getting in to that that group. If you look at the 15-man squad that they had out in South Africa, take Sam Billens and Reese Topley out and add Chris Wokes and Joe Root to that 15. I think that 15 is a very, very strong, formidable squad. But the problem for the four guys who aren't in the team, i.e. Moen Ali and, and Mark Wood, if we go with what's been playing, and then you add Root and Wokes, they're not really going to have a, a chance to stake their claim. So as much as they want to be over there and playing and, and you know trying to win a, a T20 World Cup and be double World Cup winners uh, at both white ball formats, um, the four guys that haven't had a chance in this, this series... Have uh, have got a little bit of catch up to play. Okay, guys, let's have uh, some positivity right at the end. Uh, Manners, uh, we saw three games of cricket in the end. Um, pick out a couple of highlights for us. Well, um, the fact that South Africa took the first two games to the last over, um, I was, I'm always always loath to uh, to pick out positives when the team lose. And but you know you've you've got you've got. An international team that hadn't played any international cricket for almost nine months. England have played a full summer of, uh, of, of all three formats, 18 internationals. These guys have been playing together um, and uh, they are the best white ball team in the world. And and I think South Africa probably played above themselves um, in the first two games. Uh, and I don't think that they were as close as four and five wickets and four balls and one ball to, to go would suggest. But um, I was relieved and pleasantly surprised <laughs> that the first two games were as competitive as they were. And I, I think that uh, in Mark Boucher, the pugna um, pugnacious character and cricketer that he was, I think he's, he's transferring that to his coaching style. And... Um, there are a lot of challenges in South African cricket and there are a lot of uh, young, talented players who, as Harmi says, are, you said, are looking to, to for a career elsewhere. But the production line of talented cricketers in South Africa has not been affected um, by all the administrative chaos. Uh, you know, we still have lots of sunshine, lots of cricket being played at junior and school level, lots of talented cricketers being produced and I just keep thinking that uh, as much as the administrators try to cock everything up, um, there, there's, there, there will be a way. And I just think that South Africa will find a way always to be competitive. Harmeet, what about yourself? Uh, some bright moments from the tour? Yeah, there was. There were some, there were some individual performances, I thought, which were, were, were very good. I thought Sam Curran uh, in the ball, with a ball in the first game, Josh Butler with a bat in the second game, 67 um, of 46 balls, but there was three for me who were quite consistent and standoutish, and there were the three before the the three one day nationals who who you wouldn't who there was question marks on their place. I thought Johnny Bairstow had question marks on his place. Came out and batted, I thought he batted beautifully uh, in the first game uh, and batted well, you know, you know, in in fits and starts throughout. I thought Milan showed exactly what he was. 
the best one-day player in in ranked player in the world and consistently over the course of three games he was excellent and from South Africa they found Lindo George Lindo who who I think consistently over the three games is probably South Africa's best player so for three guys who weren't going to be established in their sides and question marks before I think they're probably there the highlights of their teams and their series and I think England as a whole uh, they want the 2020 World Cup to start now you know they could bring it on bring it on now even even the way India and Australia are playing I think with them too you can't rule the West Indies out but I think if England had a choice between going, to, going home or going to the T20 World Cup I think Owen Morgan would say bring that on now because we're ready to go and play and they probably can't wait for October Brilliant stuff um, uh, Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison who has, have both been uh, alongside each other and myself over the last uh, 10 to 14 days unfortunately only three T20s but I suppose it does mean that we can come back and do it all over again and hopefully in a Covid free world you can but hope Uh, cheers guys thank you so much and thank you for listening Uh, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism and this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 